1: For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info
0: at cardinalcap.net. Okay, Mr. Davis, we have a guest with us this week, a returning guest at that. Welcome Don Monaster to Tech Gumbo.
2: Thank you, Mr. Davis. I very much appreciate it. Excited to uh, talk about the topics we have today.
0: Absolutely. So let's kick off uh, the news and updates here. We're going to start with... Google having a rather rapid reaction to something we were talking about just last week.
2: It's so amazing we, when you say, hey, we're going to charge you a billion dollars. <laughs> what happens?
1: Yeah, so just to fill in a little bit of context there, last week we are talking about Europe's new Digital Services Act and how it would require companies to allow users to opt out of search results and opt out of their data being tracked. Well inside of that very short span between whenever the european union passed that law google was able to do it and it's it's amazing how fast they were able to implement these new policies whenever they were
0: motivated to yes the the fact that you can now go to google's website you can go to google.com log into your account and then you can go into the the personal data and you can start opting out of what you want them to track. And it's just fascinating that it happened that quickly.
2: You know, what, what the interesting question that I would pose to both of you guys is, would you think that Google would have seen a day coming? Because to, to a certain point, I, I read this and I go, isn't this the way it ought to be? Like, did they not think that, you know, when, when they started gathering all this data, that they scratch their heads and think, man, this is a whole lot of personal information. Is it really our right to have it?
1: Oh, I definitely agree that they probably had the contingency in place that so someone built this library two years ago and it just was sitting in the icebox and then they said, all right, you know, now, now we actually have to flip the switch and turn it on because there's, there's no way you, you build all of this in that, that amount of time frame, yeah. but it, it means that they had it ready. They just didn't feel like they needed to because there was no pressure on them to do so.
0: My guess is when when europe when the European Union passed the gdpr in twenty eighteen that was when they began this process of yeah. just having it on the back burner ready just in case and and this whole d s a I mean, that's it didn't just pop up out of nowhere. They there was a lot of hearings and so you know, Google lobbied against it, Facebook, Twitter, they were all very much opposed to this, but it, it passed it anyway. So they knew this was coming. And so when it was passed two weeks ago, it didn't catch them by surprise. They've they've had this in the can, ready to just pop the top. Okay, here we go.
2: Look, we're gonna play nice now, boys and girls. Do you think that we'll get to a place where they start mandating public service announcements from the various Twitter social media networks that say, hey, you have to let your users know that our current users that these options are available and you have to invest a certain amount of time, energy, and resources to make sure that they're aware.
1: I, I definitely think that that is possible because a lot of the European Union stuff focuses on uh, usability and readability for the average consumer. And that's you don't have to be a tech junkie who knows. Okay, it's buried in the forty seventh menu, and you have to click all these buttons, and you have to—it's you know—summon a certain spell in order to find the right lovers. But they—they they do try and regulate that it has to be easily accessible, it has to be readable, it has to be understandable. Because if you look at some of the things that. Google is saying you can now have removed from search results. It's things like medical documents or handwritten signatures. And so it's also very interesting that Google had all of these things classified already. Google said, hey, look, here's this thing. We're marking it as a personal restricted medical document, but it's still showing up in our search results anyway. And that's, it's wild that it lasted this long, as you were saying earlier.
0: And we had Senator Cassidy on a couple of months back, and he talked about one in one of the bills he's pushing to where you you can't have that 14,000 word terms condition page. You It has to be the average citizen can read a paragraph and go, okay, I get it. And you don't have to have been the third in your class at Harvard Law to get through it. And and so, yes, I, I, I think very much, Don, what you were saying that you're going to have a time where in the not too distant future, honestly, where these companies are going to start promoting the idea. Hey, if you need to, if you want to opt out, OK, we're, we're, we'll opt out of certain things we're going to we're not going to retain. We're still going to know that you did it, but we're not going to retain as much data.
2: You know, you know, what's what's an interesting statement that was made that I believe is going to get used over and over and over again is where the Spanish gentleman who had, had basically won a case, he said, you know, I have the right to be forgotten. I think you're going to hear that a lot, the right to be forgotten, because there's a lot of data that's floating around out in, you know, cyberspace about all of us personally. And there are times when we're just, hey, man, we just want that to, to, to make its course and flush itself out of the system.
0: We talked about it last week. There's 550 data brokers in the United States alone. So God. if you wanted to try and wipe your data, if you want, you would have to try and find these 550 data brokers to begin with. Try and find them. Good luck with that. Yeah. And then if you could actually get in touch with them, then good luck with that. And and then try and – because and, and, they're under no obligation. I, well, I'm not going to give up any of your data. I'm using it. That makes money for me unless there's some legislation enacted – they, there's no obligation. Google is doing this because Google's smart enough to look over the horizon and know it's coming. That's right. I, I agree with all that. So we we kind of beat that up a little bit. Let's go on to talk about somebody else we like to beat up on, and that's Apple. Their their right to repair that they have been fighting and fighting and fighting, and they're now released a do-it-yourself repair kit.
1: But the tr- the hitch in it is that. In order to buy the replacement parts, you still have to submit the serial number for the phone. And repair company iFixit is arguing that what Apple is going to do is they're going to limit the amount of times that you can buy replacement parts attached to any serial number. And so, yeah, you might get the first one, maybe the second one, but at a certain point in time, Apple is going to cut you off and say, no, 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 you do still have to f- buy the new one
2: so this is one of those things where i would never do something like this myself <laughs> right i would i would just so for me I, I just don't get super exercised about this but it it, it's more of the same that we get from apple right it's it's controlling their product uh, only allowing certain people to be certified to do various things and and again it's it's trying to control the user experience and that's really on its face a good thing but folks who want a little bit more versatility folks who want a little bit more uh, ability to control their own destiny they, they just don't like it
0: could you imagine dell saying oh your service tag number says you've already put four hard drives in that server you can't put four more we're not going to allow it because you've already you've already used your quota of hard drives on that server that just doesn't make sense
1: another one of the places where we see the right to repair pop up a lot is in farm equipment that the John Deere tractors, the current generation are so advanced and there's so much technology baked into them, but John Deere has them heavily locked down, has the computers very restricted. And if you're a farmer, you know, and you're out there, you need to be able to, if something goes wrong, fix it and keep going. Cause you might be, deep in a field and so it might be weeks or months before you can get a tech out there to fix it but if you have the know-how to fix it yourself you're on a clock you're you're on that timeline to get those crops harvested and that's why this is really important even in edge cases like that
2: you know it's funny you should bring that up because i kind of cut my teeth in it in the manufacturing world and a lot of the cnc machines and routing machines and laser cutters and all that stuff. You know, when you get right down to it, back then it was it was a PC and a really big case running Windows NT back in the day. And so they would they would have an issue and and call the manufacturer and they couldn't get anybody over there and I would pull the back of the case off and I'm like, "Hey man, I I can get that very motherboard or that very controller card and have this thing back up and running in 3 or 4 hours and it, I'm going to charge you all in about 500 bucks, and they're telling you it's going to be five grand to get their tech out here. But they couldn't recertify their equipment if I did it. So, it's not like this is new, right? This has always been something, and and don't get me wrong, you mess up a laser cutter, that could go wrong very, very quickly. Oh yeah. this is a phone, guys. This is just a phone.
0: My first vehicle when I was 15 years old was a Ford F100, pickup truck with a straight line six engine in it and we used to open up the hood and crawl inside and take that engine apart on a weekend and put it back together i'm I, i'm afraid to open the hood just to try and change the oil on, on any car nowadays and for that same reason i mean it's just not worth it to try and get in there because you're gonna screw it up so just take it to the shop and let them fix it kind of thing
2: yeah i tried to change all of my tesla the other day and it didn't work out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, i think the the one difference between the the cars though is that you can bring your car to any dealership you don't have to bring your ford to a ford dealership and i think that's the thing that i fix it once is that they want to be that third-party repairman the third-party mechanic that apple currently is really choking out
0: moving along love talking about nasa and what's going on in Mars and especially about the Perseverance rover and the Mars Ingenuity helicopter. This thing is so cool. It was only supposed to make one, maybe two flights. They just finished their 26th flight more than a year later.
1: We uh, had Keith Como on the show, you know, more than a year ago, whenever it first touched down he was Talking about some of the cool things, some of the cool engineering that they did in order to get it to work. Uh, and that was, a, that was a great time just to have that conversation. And the ingenuity continues to be such a fascinating piece of hardware, such a fascinating piece of science and engineering. The detection that it's doing out there on Mars is really just cutting edge. And it's going to advance our understanding of the planet so much. And it just it's amazing how many different things are coming together to have this continue to work because as you said they they guaranteed one or two missions and then they're looking at 27 next
2: it's it's an amazing piece of equipment and i i i for one think we take this whole story of what's happened on mars for granted because it is really tough to get to california from here (laughs) But but it's a lot tougher to get to Mars and to think that we are constantly in control of this equipment that is that is far surpassing. Everything that we've tested it to do says a lot about the engineering that that goes into those, you know, those incredible pieces of technology. I think every every guy and gal that ever wanted to mess around with robotics and mess around with remote management or remote use of a, of a device is sitting here just, Foaming at the mouth, wanting to be involved. The fact
0: that it takes 14 minutes for anything that you tell it to do for that message to get to Mars. So if you just type out, okay, go ahead and launch, it's going to take 14 minutes for that device to get that message. So it's doing everything on its own. When it goes up, it's got to figure out where it's going to go. It's got to figure out how it's going to land. And then it's going to take pictures of things that you hope are, you know, it's just taking random pictures. And, and because you've built in enough instruction into it, but you can't have too much because it's that whole weight retention thing and, and how much you can put on, on board because you got to be able to fly. So it's an amazing balance. And I just think this is so cool that we're flying a helicopter on a distant planet.
1: Yeah, I using TeamViewer have trouble, you know, controlling the computer in the next room. And <laughs> here they are, how many millions of miles away, successfully operating this complex equipment. And I think the uh, the point about us taking for granted is also true that the number of times in a row that NASA has been successful is a, is a testament to their quality and that. It is an international team of people. The best of the best come to work at NASA to do these things. And we are truly fortunate to be alive during this time whenever this this is
0: greatness right here. This is one of the things that everyone can come together and be proud of. So one of the things that is going on with space that has me concerned, maybe apprehensive a little bit about, is they're talking about putting up a space hotel orbiting around Earth sometime in the next three years
2: that That boggles my mind
0: (laughs) yeah there's a lot of questions that i
1: have around this the first one is how are you going to get it into space and then how big is it going to be how many so it's going to house 28 people is what they're currently projecting how many of them are going to be permanent staff how many visitors you going to have at once there's a whole lot of things that need to go right for this to happen and to say you're only three years out from from sending the first customers up there? Oh boy.
2: Yeah, and, and I think it it points to something that we're not seeing a lot in the news. And that is, you know, there are what, I'd say three private space companies that are really getting the majority of the news. My suggestion would be that there's far more companies out there that are doing research and, and making progress in space travel because you can't put, you know, a hotel in space in three years if 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 there aren't more players in the game. Right. And so I, I think having spent quite a bit of time in, in, in Huntsville, there's a lot going on in Huntsville. There's a lot going on in Houston that right now Elon is getting a whole lot of press, right? But there's a lot of ancillary engineering talent that's out there that's really pushing the envelope. And and look, space is cool again, right? I mean, I remember growing up being super young, watching the space shuttle for the first time. It was so cool. And it it, it kind of died down until private business started really pushing the envelope.
1: I definitely think that this reinvigoration from SpaceX, from Virgin Galactic, and the likes, Blue Origins, that's made it possible. It's no longer just NASA with their scientific missions. Now there's people out here who can say, okay, let's let's make it profitable. Let's turn it into a business. Let's turn it into an enterprise, and I think that is really, you know, reinvigorating it.
2: And, and so. Haggai, they're 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 going for the masses, right? They, it's a you know, they talk about this is not just for the wealthy. Now, I, obviously, I think that bears some debate on the definition, but the idea is not for the, the elite few. It's how many people can we really get in into that market so we can make it profitable?
0: And so then is it going to be a Holiday Inn Express or <laughs> is, it, you know, is this the, the Space Hilton? The one three years from now is going to be 28 people, but by the year 2027, they're talking about having a hotel up there for 400 people at a time. And that's only five years out. Yeah, that's to house 400 people. That's a lot of people.
1: Yeah. Just the, the size of your operation. I'm so fascinated to see their plans behind all of this. This is so much. And the idea that, you know, not just for the wealthy, it's we're probably a little farther away from that because we were doing in the research for this for SpaceX to launch a rocket one time is 200 million dollars. And so if you say, all right, 400 people, $200 million, that's still a whole lot of money per person. And that's just to launch the rocket. It doesn't even take anything else.
0: But, but you're not going to do it in one rocket. You can't put 400 people on a, on a 747. If you got 20 people on this rocket, that's a lot of people. And so to get 400 people up there, how many rockets are you launching a day? to get up there and back. And so the shuttle service going between here and there is gonna be just as busy as, as Newark's airport. That's a great point. And if you're that dependent, if it takes
1: you know 20 trips to bring everyone up and 20 trips to bring everyone down, what happens if something goes wrong? How long does it take to get everyone out? Or if there's delays due to weather and they're stuck up there for whatever reason, Boy, this feels like a large leap that we have some intermediate steps to solve here. I don't know.
2: Hey, I, I just can't wait to use it as an excuse when I'm not so perfect at work. Hey, man, I got spaceship lag.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: I, I, that's going to be a fun one to try and use. And, and so we'll... Uh, We'll keep our eye out on on see how the space hotel goes here on Tech Gumbo. We wanna thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the Southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 173
1: FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays, also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast, available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. You can also always text us 225-255-0431. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.